Dream Baby Dream podcast. Welcome to the Dream Baby Dream podcast. We are ACTC. I'm Amy Kuma. And I'm Taylor Clements. And we talk all things life, acting, creative industries, mental health, and just how to get by. Total disclaimer, we are not industry professionals. Far from successful right now, but we feel we have a lot to chat about. I love that far. <laughs> it's like really reiterating, we are not successful. Just, not yeah, just, just, just letting everyone know. Um, far from successful. <laughs> going well so far so oh. this is our first uh episode our first ever dream baby dream podcast episode this is big this is this started i went and had breakfast at taylor's cafe um do a little shout out to your cafe Hyde green cafe in manly west cafe. come come see me great brekkie burger <laughs> tops really good um, good coffee though right good co- oh, okay great yeah. the barista's there the little redhead so sexy <laughs> she makes the best coffee oh good um anyway so i was sitting with my sister just brainstorming how to put myself out there and I just like grabbed Taylor I was like we should make a podcast and like she was actually fully seriously like into should. it yeah. like she's like no we actually should and I was like oh okay <laughs> yeah, so a bit about our personal acting careers um I've been acting since I was very little I think by the age since the age of five um just doing different theater and good doing plays and you know I've pretty much just grown up around acting I always wanted to be an actor you know when you're a kid and someone asks you what you want to be when you grow up and you say oh I want to be an astronaut or an actor or you know I just never changed that like most kids grow out of that and they pick a real job (laughs) quotation marks real job um but I just stayed with acting I've never ever wanted to do anything else in my life I can't imagine myself doing anything else um so yeah I've just done loads of courses workshops I've been at the warehouse for a few years now um done a few short films a few ads um, a few independent features like literally nothing super exciting that I would be like yeah go and watch this nothing that anyone would know no yeah <laughs> so saying. I yeah and if you ever find anything please don't tell me about yeah. it I do not want to hear about it, it. Don't, I, I, I don't, don't care <laughs> I don't remember it um so yeah that's basically my background just auditioning and doing what I can yeah I'm pretty similar I always wanted to be an actor but I didn't really tell people because I thought it was embarrassing because I thought it was like a pipe dream and Mm. it is (laughs) still is is. but I kind of like kept it under wraps and told people I wanted to be an editor because I thought that was more practical um and then when I left school I didn't go to uni I didn't do anything I just kept doing retail and not doing anything else and then I realized I'm miserable because I'm not doing acting and so I came to the warehouse and I'm so glad I did because I met so many incredible people Mm -hmm. I've come out of my shell so much like I just it changes you like it really just yeah I don't know I love it here so our I guess day jobs I work in a cafe Um, As I mentioned before, I'm a barista. absolutely love it. I feel like it works so hand-in-hand with acting because I get Mm. to meet different people every day. It kind of all goes into the character archives in my brain um, of what I can use in acting. So, yeah, I love it. Um, And I also work at the warehouse workshop as well. Um, I'm here two days a week and I basically do the admin, social media stuff, which has also been super exciting. That's um, fairly new, so um, it'll be cool to navigate the warehouse, the cafe, and also my acting. But I'm very excited, and I, um, I'm excited for 2022. I think there are 
big things coming this year. Mm, I got a good feeling about this year. Yeah. Um, my job, well, I've been working at a shoe store since I was 15. Hashtag Mavers. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Caddy Forest if you're listening. Um, we love Kathy. <laughs> um, And I also work at Ganda Clothing. So that's really fun. And it the same. It's like very flexible, which is great. And I work with just amazing people who are so lovely. Um, and then aside from... Uh, my day jobs I also want to be a writer so that is like a huge passion of mine as well so other than acting if I wasn't an actor or if I never become an actor I'd be really happy if I became an author we're doing a thing where we're gonna ask all our guests are embarrassed they are their most embarrassing stories to do with acting like Mm. whether it's or even music of performing just something that's a bad audition something that's been really embarrassing Mm. Um, so I thought it was only fair if we shared our stories. Um, maybe if I talk, it'll jog your memory. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Something you go. will come flooding you go. back. I kind of have two. I'm not sure which one to tell. Yeah, let's <laughs> make it super quick. Should start with the worst one. It's pretty gross. Okay. Well, no, actually, it's not gross. There's nothing gross about this, okay? <laughs> Female body. <laughs> Female positivity. Um so basically, I had just started at the warehouse. So I just started doing there. They do a 20 week internship course. And it's basically like you come to the warehouse full time, three days, full, full days a week. Um, and basically you perform and you, you just learn. And I think it was probably my second week. I was so new and I was really starting to feel myself like I was really starting to get confident and come into my own I was really happy I was making friends made a friend named Nick shout out to Nick he's gonna be listening probably Nick Osborne, Nick Osborne. <laughs> we love you probably Nick Osborne on um Instagram give him a follow if you want to <laughs> hear about dogs <laughs> that's all he talks about anyway um so yeah I was feeling good and um I had just gone through the whole class I'd gotten up and performed and I was super happy and I drive home I was living in the Gold Coast at this point and I get out of my car and I walk inside and I catch my reflection in the mirror, the back of me. And let's just say <laughs> Mother Nature. <laughs> Your uterus did not like you that day. It was that time of the month and I had no idea. And but everyone else did. <laughs> big, big, big patch on my backside. How long had it been there? I don't know. It was dry. It was dried into my dress. So it was probably there for a while. Probably there when I was performing in front of everyone and having a great old time sitting on the couches. I was mortified. Like it was the most embarrassing thing ever. It's never happened to me before. Like that has never happened. And it happened like in probably the most public setting that I can imagine. It's probably on film. Like it's probably in the archives. So that was horrible. Mm. The other one was just a bad audition. I've had a few of those, but this one particularly bad. I came to the, the audition was actually here for Tom McSweeney. Shout out, Tom. <laughs> Hi, Tom. We were discussing this recently. Um, I came in and it was for a, a an, oh, I can't remember what show, an ABC show maybe? A, uh, Nickelodeon, Nickelodeon show, kids show. And um, the director was in the room and I had no idea. I just walked in and he was there and I was like, <gasps> okay I hadn't done many auditions by this point and I started to talk and you know when you're really nervous and your voice is shaky it was like that and I could hear it and it was so bad and then I got to a point in the script where I realized I was out of breath and so I just went (laughs) (laughs) 
and it was so loud and they were kind of like just looking at me and, and I was like what are you doing okay you? thank you for your time <laughs> okay bye they're like well and this is a little tip if they give you another go at it it's usually because you fucked up the first take and they're like okay we'll give you a second chance so they'll be like let's try that again and like maybe try it this way so I was like thank you thank you so much and so I did it again terrible still bad and <laughs> um, I didn't get it so yeah as a surprise uh, to no one did that did that jog anything for you no I didn't but I thought maybe I could give it a week I'll have a I'll have a thing right, we'll I'll ask mum she usually remembers my my embarrassing stories better than I do because I tend to suppress anything uh, bad in my yeah. life and before we get into our interview with our first guest mm-hmm. Darren Gilshanen Gilshanen do we pronounce that right I think so we I had hope a bit so. of trouble in the we had, interview we had some trouble it was it's a bit of a mouthful but anyway. Darren is a he's an incredible comedian he is one of my favorite mentors um I've done a class a comedy class with him before and I just I can't express how blown away by how brilliant this man is so we're so excited to chat with him um yes before we do we're just gonna go through our obsession of the week Mm. is a new little thing we're gonna be I feel like we have the same this week euphoria yeah euphoria yeah (laughs) I was sitting here trying to like think of something I'm more obsessed with and I'm like no think about at the moment and the new episode is tonight how funny it comes out on a Monday which is when the podcast comes out who's your favorite character I don't know because they're so they're all so unlikable. What? Like, I no, love them all. No, but no, but yeah, I know. No, you know what I mean? They're like really they're, they're bad they're people, but they're up. all so. I love Elliot. Oh, he's a good yeah, one. Like I don't know, it's a face tattoo. I don't know. Oh. I'm obsessed with Elliot, and I I kind of I like the Elliot. Um, Rue scenario going on. I do, but then Jules is kind of getting into yeah, that. Yeah, and like, triangle. yeah, she's kind of getting in there as well. And I don't know how I feel about Jules and Rue. I don't know. It just Jules seems is a bit toxic, but then she, also she so tends is Rue. to play the victim a lot. She does, which kind of annoys me. But Rue is also annoying me at the moment. She is stressing me out. She's on a downward spiral. Anyway, so we're going to get into the episode. Um, Thank you so much for listening so far. We hope you enjoy our chat with Darren and we will see you after. See you soon. You're listening to the Dream Baby Dream Podcast. Hello, Darren. 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 Now, before this started, you asked how to pronounce my second name. I know. You can't even pronounce it. You can't even say Darren. This went really well. Darren Gilshanen. I got the second name right. That's what happens. Okay, Darren, welcome. Darren's a hard one. Yeah. No, Darren's really hard. It's got two R's. But um, welcome to the Dream Baby Dream podcast. Um, I'm Taylor. This is Amy. You don't, you don't he know He called Amy. me Kate when he entered the room. Hey, come on. I, I, yes, I did. Yes, yes, that was me. That's okay. Darren's done it. I've done it. Done, uh, why are you making me nervous, Darren? Oh, my God. Stop I have no idea. Darren. Come on. You've been around me for a long time. You should be fine. It's true. I've done a comedy class with Darren, so we are acquainted, but um, Darren and Kate don't know each other quite <laughs> as well. So to break the ice a little bit before we get started um a little thing we do is we ask all of our guests to tell us their most embarrassing are you <laughs> what? What? sorry he's just pulling face no i'm not that's just my face oh, just, oh, just gazing around the room like it's, he's not even listening <laughs> no that's my listening face oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> all right guys are you okay. done yeah yes, sorry, yes. sorry. 
Um, Darren's a comedian, Amy, he so, he, so he will be funny. It's working, and I'm laughing I just, already. I pull faces for a living. <laughs> <laughs> a little thing that we do is we like to ask our guests a, um, what is your most mortifying, embarrassing, I want to crawl into a hole and die moment in the industry, whether it be an audition, a bad class moment, just anything that you've done in the industry that has just been totally embarrassing. We want to hear it. Oh, yes. Mm. Uh, okay. Well, there was this one time. Um, uh, yeah, it was. Uh, it was Sydney was going to uh, do. Well, it was a national tour of um, West Side Story, and uh, Ian Judge, who's a um, very big English director, came out to Australia to direct this production, and um, all of Sydney. We're on notice for it. We'll. They said, "Oh, we're really keen to get, you know, kind of actor singer dancers, not singer actor dancers. If you know the difference, <laughs> basically, that means actors that can kind of move a bit, and but around, yeah. you know, and sing, but not necessarily be, you know, shit hot dancers." So. Mm. Uh, we had to learn a couple of monologues and, you know, you had to, you were told there would be a dance call and a singing call and so you had, you had to take a song like most musicals. So we rocked up and uh, they said, oh, we'll be starting with the dance rehearsal, which was quite a shock to the actors that were in the room, but all the same. Um, there was uh, 150 of us squashed in a room at Sydney Dance Company and uh, Ian Judge got up in front of everyone uh, and said, OK, in order to do this show, you need at least eight years of professional dance um, oh. under your belt before you'd be capable of dancing this show. And so the sphincters of the actors tightened <laughs> in a collective sigh. And then... Um, uh, we kind of got taught the opening routine, the West Side Story, which is, you know, lots of kind of coming down the floor and doing jazz drags and jump clicks and, and all <laughs> these kind clicks. of tricky little manoeuvres. And, uh, of course, I, I could only learn about a third of it be- before it was time to do it. And what happened is he sent groups of eight of us came down the room and then he'd point... Um, at the people he wanted to go to one side of the room and then he'd kind of just waft all the other people off to the other side of the room Uh, anyway it was it was like it was like a scene from Gallipoli right everyone's kind of going over the wall to their to their (laughs) imminent death in front of Ian Judge the poison dwarf as he was known as and they and and he he culled 98 percent of the people that coming down the room and myself and my mate Paul Gleason who's an actor we were just like shuffling further and further back like up against the back wall trying to see if we could learn the routine before (laughs) like by osmosis before our time came to go over the wall and um I was in the very last group and I remember having this kind of what I thought was a absolute you know ingenious idea to go rogue on the routine and uh and and wow ian judge with my sheer charismatic kind of understanding of what the jets and the sharks kind of you know would be like and and that and that the energy so anyway we started coming down the floor and i got the first few steps out okay with everyone else and then everyone just moved ahead of me and i just did this routine this improvised weird dance routine around the space that i thought was fantastic (laughs) Um, meanwhile there was about 150 people all standing up with their jaws hanging open looking at me thinking what a dick what are you doing you've (laughs) lost your mind uh anyway i got to the end of it puffing and just looked up at him and he just had this weird look on his face and just of course pointed wafted me off to the room (laughs) of failure Uh, but i do remember um that thinking 
you know what happens what happens in an actor's brain sometimes when you're underprepared and and you go rogue and you really don't know you don't have a safety net you know what i mean you just kind of launch into something thinking yeah someone will see past my shit ability deep inside and see the real me see the courage yeah i think most people probably go on that voice and all those reality tv programs are thinking much the same thing although they can probably sing and dance a lot better than i could (laughs) all right darren so um tell us a little bit about yourself your beginning as an actor Uh, what drew you to comedy um did you always know that you were funny or you just kind of went for it Oh, I think I always carried on like a clown. Um, I think a lot of people who find their way into comedy were just natural kind of knockabout clowns when they were young. I think it starts at the you know at the dinner table with your family, mm. just kind of doing little gags with salt shakers and all the rest of it, and and then climbing up the doors and running into the walls for a laugh and all that kind of stuff. So, and I think at school I very much I went to a school that had no drama or art. This was. I'm old, you know, I'm 54, so this was before that stuff was cool in school. You know, there wasn't much of that stuff. It was it was sports and academia. So for me, I was doing a lot of extracurricular things outside of school. I was dancing and I was doing, um, you know, theatre groups and, and various things and acrobatics and like any, anything that would kind of had a show-off kind of label attached to it, I think. So... Um, I knew from a young age that I really liked making people laugh. Mm. And um, and then when I went, you know, through drama school, when I finished school and went through drama schools, um, I went to Townsville for a year, to James Cook University, and then to NIDA after that for three years. And did you? Yes, I did. NIDA alumni. <laughs> that is very impressive. From back in the day. Well, comedy is very subjective, so how do you – teach people to be funny when audiences are so different how do you kind of nail that yeah yeah that's a really good point it, it is like for everyone it, it's it's different but something happens uh, i've done many years in the theater i did 10 years with the bell shakespeare company kind of playing the clown and most of the productions and i got used to working audiences and hearing audiences and you can tell you can tap into something with an audience where that disparate a laugh disappears and it becomes a harmonious laugh where the mm. whole crowd gets on board. And that's generally by tapping into um, really recognisable human feelings uh, for, that an audience, that any, any of us that, can relate yeah, to, can. you know, whether it's pain or grief or desperation or, you know, the, 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 the lengths your character will go to for love or to get the job or to, to succeed, you know. Um, I think everyone... On, any, on some level can relate to that. So if you base your comedy in um, human experience, then you, uh, you've you got a chance in harnessing a big crowd. Becomes relatable. Yeah, yeah, totally yeah. relatable. Have you had any productions that just panned and no love? Not laughs? really. Um, you know, certainly not in a, a comedy sense. Uh, I've got a pretty good uh, kind of radar for yeah. something that's not going to work. I generally... Um, hunt that stuff down in rehearsals if something feels a bit cliched or just a bit i don't know just kind of not really doesn't really pop or it just feels like a safe funny option or an amusing yeah, option like i tend to say or something yeah yeah i tend to say come on there's a there's a better option out there let's just keep yeah. digging until we find it and then once everyone once a team or a troop or a cast or whatever once you come across a, a moment of timing or something you feel it really strongly you go oh yeah that that's that that's sharp that's hot you know yeah
So the current political climate is changing recently. So I feel yeah. like, have you found that that has affected the way that you perform? And where do you draw the line between being bold and being offensive? Offensive, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I guess, you know, the idea of offense was never really a problem. You know, people just got offended in the past, you yeah. know, and, and you just dealt with it. And there was know? no evidence of it. I find now if, like, a comedian tells one wrong joke, it's on the <laughs> internet in that's right. seconds and everyone's watching and it. And they're cancelled and it's yeah, a cancel thing. culture. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. There's no doubt about that. There's been a tremendous amount of social change in the last, um, you know, decade uh, and, and a bit longer. But, uh, look, I think, if anything, the taboos that it has created make comedy a bit richer, a bit more dangerous. Mm-hmm. And, and people, type, are, yeah. people are looking back on old shows now with like a new perspective as well like yeah. shows like friends oh yeah sex in that the were t- and sex in the city that yeah. were at the time like revolutionary now people mm. are saying oh that's not okay there's well you got to see yeah. you got to see it all in a historical um, yeah you know, for the 90s that was what yeah i mean like was. go back go back to, you know and like i said i'm 54 i grew up watching benny hill you know mm. and he was hilarious and everyone watched benny hill you know, and Benny Hill used to have groups of rim- women running around in skateboard helmets and, and skateboard outfits with their <laughs> boobs out, you know. That, that was what comedy was in the 70s, you know. And you can't, I, I, I truly believe, you can't go back historically and kind of say, well, that uh, that, that should be cancelled or, or that was wrong. That, that, it, it is wrong from our co- contemporary modern yes. sensibilities. Yes, yes absolutely. Yeah. But back then, the reasons why, it was what it was. Yeah. And, it, and it was comedy and mm. it was laughed at. Yeah. And, uh, and that must, must be remembered. I even you know? feel like in a few decades they'll look back on what we're making now and there'll be a problem with... Well, you know, maybe in a few decades we'll look back and go, gee, that was a hypersensitive yeah, um, time, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Everyone was so terrified to say the wrong thing that yeah. they sat down and became monocultured, yeah. And it's true, though. Like, you can't really express your opinion without one person having an issue with it. And everyone at the moment is so social media heavy. Like, everyone mm. has a presence on social media. People have lots of followers. And, you know, people look up to people on social media. And then as soon as that person says one thing that you don't agree with, it mm. becomes this whole thing. Thorn its head so, down suddenly. Yeah. Yes, it is a rather um, complex time for you youngins, that's for sure. <laughs> you know, I have a 19-year-old son who's uh, finished school a couple of years ago and, and just looking at, you know, the, the, you know, the invention of the socials or the internet, really. Because, of course, when I was out working in the 20s, I, re- I still remember in the mid-90s my friend getting a mobile phone, you know. But we didn't even have mobile phones. It's and it seems like such a little while ago. Yeah. And yes, all this is such is so complex. But then I guess with all this stuff, that it's all out there. It's really up to you how much you want to engage with it, and, yeah, and, and how absolutely. much in, how much how much you care about what other people say, or That's how much it. you want to go. Well, this is what I want to do, and um, you know. If if some some people are offended, I say that's okay. You're you're allowed to be offended. It just means you've got an individual sense of morality and an attitude about something. But your offence is just one voice mm. in a, in a you know yeah. a, a melting pot of millions of others, mm. and that should not necessarily be the main voice. Yeah, that shouldn't have to carry you. more weight than someone who enjoys yeah. what you said yeah. or finds yeah. it funny. Thinks yeah. it's funny, yeah. Um, Can't please all of the people all of the time. No, that is saying, that yeah? is true. Exactly. Um, what in your opinion, makes one person funnier than another? Like um, when you're teaching a class, can you pick out who's going to be the best comedic actor based on just first impressions? Like did you know that Taylor was going to be Yes, hilarious? I did know that Taylor was going to be hilarious <laughs> and I mean that very truthfully. Oh, Taylor was very, very, 
really stood out. She oh. was very funny. She it's probably why you're doing some of weird stuff like this uh, <laughs> podcast here. But um, uh, yeah, you can pick them. You know, you can you can pick the people. And I think it's it's the, there's a courage and there's a there's a sense of um, willingness to lose dignity. I think you know, or to look like a dick. Yeah. I think that's that's you know, comic characters have a. Um, you know, they say comedy is kind of tragedy without dignity. It's sort of comic characters will lose their shit if they want something enough. They'll behave like an absolute lunatic if they mm-hmm. need something enough. So it's really about you can you can tell the people who are courageous in their expression. You need a, a wide range of emotional and physical and intellectual behaviour to be a good comic performer. Uh, so, uh, you know, basically whatever the behaviour that is required in the situation, as big as it can be, you know, you need it, you need it. Um, if you're in any way reserved or held or or um, conservative in mind or body or, or emotion, um, you're going to have a hard time mm. kind of being a good comic performer. Yeah. Mm. I remember after I did your first class, um, I was driving home and I rang mum and it was like 10 o'clock at night she was in bed. So she, <laughs> she, was like, she thought I had crashed or something. She was like, you okay? And I was like, yeah. And I just, I had to tell her about your class because obviously I've been doing Phil's and Tom's class for years now and it's just kind of been a constant and it's, you know, you get used to the structure of that. And then when I did your first class, I was just so excited. I was like, this was so much fun. And because I do love comedy I do love comedic acting and I do feel like I have like comedic timing and I'm I'm good at it when I'm doing it and to be able to learn why the things I do are funny Mm -hmm. and how to implement them as tools rather than just winging it yeah was so interesting to me and yeah, I got in the car and I rang mum and she was kind of like, yeah, yeah, cool, Taylor. Can we talk about this rang tomorrow? Me too. <laughs> I rang Amy as well. I was you like, I like, need to tell he's, everyone. He's like, he pulled me aside after class and he said, you're funny. <laughs> I was so happy. I yeah. Like, cool, <clears throat> you know, yes, I think, uh, you know, I think any kind of um, experience as a, if you're doing a class, I, I learned years ago as a teacher that that the most important thing is to make people have a good time in a Mm -hmm. class like if you've got a it's so hard to do what we do anyway just to get up and open up and do this crazy shit the last thing you want is a really tense room when you Mm, walk in with a group of strangers where it feels Mm. difficult to to break out of Mm. yourself because um there's a lot of fear in the room and that's the the death of comedy you know you it's the opposite it's love it's Mm, expression it's generosity so so I always try to create a room where everywhere I kind of really encourage people's sense of confidence. And, of course, people like yourself, Taylor, who, who have an ability will kind of flourish in that situation, you know. Whereas other people, you know, they might get to the end of my classes and go, well, uh, I'm not necessarily any funnier, but I feel pretty damn good yeah. and I'm a little more confident. And, yeah. and I didn't uh, come out the end of this class hating myself. Yeah. And I think I, I gave up years ago kind of thinking that everyone in a class is going to be an actor or going to be a comic yeah, performer because yeah. they're not. Mm. You know, there'll be a few. There'll, you, you know, there's there's a small percentage of people you go, yeah, you, you'll go somewhere. But for everyone else, it's a re- it's about giving them an experience that's positive and, and in a way, it's some kind of therapy. You know? yeah, but that, but all acting is. It's yeah. a study of the human condition. It's a study of, of everything around... 
um, what we do. If you're playing a character in the 1960s, it's a study of the historical time period of the Benny Hill era, yeah. as we're talking about. So, so I think um, acting is, you know, some people out there have an idea that actors are just a bunch of posers or, or <laughs> ego, egotistical pricks, but mm, really yeah. I, I think it's an extraordinary, um, I think... Um, actors well the ones i've known after all these years i've learned an extraordinary amount of things about people mm. about myself yeah you know i mean I, i'm still the basket case of <laughs> hypocrisies but still you know at least i know that yeah i have so much admiration for comedic actors because i think comedy is the hardest form just because it's the only one where you can actually hear if something's not working you or bet. if something's falling yeah. flat. Like you yeah. do a dramatic piece, it's fine. People are meant to be silent, but if you do, you're up there yeah. doing comedy. You're expecting laughter. You're expecting audience engagement, oh, yeah. and when you don't get that, like, oh, and if it goes wrong, is... you know, in the first five ten minutes, and um, you start to lose the crowd, oh. and then you start to get desperate and push mm, yeah. to try to get them back, and then they see your desperation, and then they back <laughs> away from you even more, and then the fear sets in, and oh, you know that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, I, I had an experience once um, doing a production of um, Taming of the Shrew with Bell Shakespeare where I'd come out at interval, I think I might have told you this, Taylor, uh, and um, do a little kind of pre-audience warm-up chook raffle weird thing because you know, John Bell used to love doing interval kind of roaming character stuff, you know. He liked to just break down that fourth wall and get amongst the crowd. And someone had given me on opening night this little kind of rubbery... Um, it was about four inches long, but it was a like it was a snot. It was like a, a like a droopy booger, and what? it was just a, like a trick shot thing, right? And it had a little like rubbery wing nut thing at the end of it, like wings, and you could stick the wings up your nose, and it would hang out of your oh nose like God. a like like you just sneezed and there was a big booger. A big and I thought oh, I'll just take this on for a joke, and I was talking to the audience, warming them up. It was a matinee too, you know what I mean? A lot of old people and two young people in the audience and uh, I pretended to sneeze and turn my back and stuck this thing up my nose and turned back and it was swinging under my nose and there was a I'd done it I think I'd done it the night before or whatever and everyone thought it was hilarious and I and I was like looking around as the audience was laughing wondering what they were laughing at and this thing was swinging and slapping me on the sides of the face and it got funnier and so I thought oh great I'll do it for the matinee at 11 a.m you know and then morning melodies matinee and not not a laugh and i um i'm swinging my head around and doing all this stuff and going jesus christ they're not getting this at all and next minute i'm hanging over the front of the audience like wobbling this this plastic booger over this old lady's head thinking you know push 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 you know what i mean like just just they'll come they'll come and then eventually uh she just looked up at me and went oh that's enough (laughs) and i just popped it out of my nose and went Rule ready then, uh, moving right along. You know, that was one of those moments where I had lost the crowd and I, my sense You lost yourself. Yeah, I just went, just keep, I pushed, pushed to try to get them back, but it, you know. Kept digging that hole. I should have just hit the eject button. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my worst nightmare. Um, okay, well, just to try and wrap it up a bit, what are your best tips for sustaining a career as a comedic actor? Uh, don't just be a comedic actor. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> be an actor. Uh, yeah. And that involves lots of things, you know, whether it's voiceover work, whether it's getting involved in writing or whether it's, um, you know, doing short films or whether it's teaching uh, as, you know, as long as you've got something that's around that's connected around the arts and you don't 
kind of give up and go and become a barman forever yeah. or a waiter, like a lot of actors have to do to sustain themselves when they're first starting. But I think, you know, you go along and see shows. Go to, If you're really interested, you will hunt down um, ways to get involved. I've seen a lot of actors over the years who, you know, even after they left drama school, because I used to teach and direct at NIDA a lot, and... Um, uh, and, you know, actors that would leave NIDA and still go and continue to train at various institutions like the warehouse here or, you know, different places and in Sydney. And, and, you know, and they'd just meet people. They'd meet networks of people mm. and they'd go to shows and they'd hang around afterwards and they'd chat to the actors. Mm. So any way, you know, if you're really kind of keep your ears and eyes open, you, uh, it's networking. Networking mm. is the key to it because a lot of people out there have ability but um, just by having your face pop up three or four times in front of someone, people have in this attitude that you're, you're in the industry. Yeah. Even if you're doing co-op theatre where, you know, when I first started, you know, you do theatre where basically you get paid after you finish mm-hmm. uh, with the split of the box office, but you don't make any money up front. That's where you do your bar job. But that, just by being on stage, people will come along, sit in that audience, see you, and they'll think, oh, this is a working actor. Yeah. Hmm. Whereas the people who sit by the phone and expect it to happen to them. Yeah. Um, exactly. Just you, wait you, for that call. There's too many yeah. out there. You know what I mean? You've got to be, you've got to be proactive. Yeah, you've got to hunt it down. And if you are a creative person, you would want to. You'll yeah. hunt that down. Yeah. Yeah. It's a difference you won't between... You not be satisfied just working as a barman. You'll yeah. Have to... It's a difference between wanting to be a star or wanting to be an artist. Yeah. You know? yeah. You've got to ask yourself, do you want to be on home and away or do you want to learn about the craft yeah do you want to create yeah well darren it was such a privilege to get you on the podcast today um yeah. thank you so much thank you for being nice enough to yeah. give us a chance well good luck with it all hey it's, thank uh, hopefully you. there's uh you meet a lot more famous people than me in the oh you're our most famous so far darren yeah. so you should feel good about yourself <laughs> well thank you so much darren enjoy the rest of your day and um yeah Taylor, we'll see you see in you class. Are you <laughs> see you, on, see you um, on the, in front of the lens. Yeah, that's yeah. it, hopefully. Okay. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Okay, bye. And that was our interview with Darren Gilshannon. We hope you enjoyed it. We had so much fun filming it. He is absolutely incredible. Um, and we're so thankful that he mm. even took the time to come onto our little podcast. Very, very funny man. Yeah. And it was so last minute too. And he was yeah. like more than happy to yeah. jump He's in. He's so. absolutely brilliant. Um, go check out his stuff and sign up for a class. With yeah, him because literally. it is honestly, I can tell you one of the be- like best things I've ever done. You heard him; he can make you funny. Yeah, <laughs> he can make you. Funny. He can make you funny. Yeah. Um. So a little segment that we're going to do each week is um, we're going to give you a quote of the week. Usually acting related, sometimes might not be, but um, a quote of the week this week is. So this is an, a quote from uh, one of my favorite actresses, Sarah Paulson. Oh. Oh, we love love. royalty, (laughs) acting royalty. Anyway, so she says, I'm not interested in a character's goodness. I'm interested in what makes them human. So I think she tends to go for roles for very complex characters and very like morally questionable characters. When looking at characters, we need to really sort of Humanize humanize them and not judge them as if we're like, Amy playing a role. Yeah. We need to actually be live in these characters and understand what makes them tick and it's a good way why they're doing it. things. So, yeah. yeah, that's my quote for the week. Amazing. Thank you, Amy. You're um, welcome. 
We are going to do weekly goals as well. So um, my goal of this week will be to, very simple, I'll see if I can get there, but I'll start small, will be to hit the gym at least three times this week. Um, It's been a while since I've been in the gym. I've just been really busy and tired, but I I always feel better when I've done a gym session. So three times this week, even if it's just something small. Amy? I've got two Two goals this week, both pretty small. Um, I'm reading The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck at the moment. A little known book. Um, <laughs> oh, really? I've never heard of it. I'm a bit late for the party, um, but this book was like written for me. Taylor <laughs> bor- let me borrow it because she she's was like... having a tough time. She's I was like, like here. <laughs> you would like this book. Um, <laughs> this. Oh, yeah. I would like that. Um, it's very relevant to me in my life at the moment. Um so it's, it's really good. So I just want to read more of that, get back into reading. Um, and the other one is to learn how to edit a podcast. Um, that would be a good goal. The clock is ticking. So <laughs> let's, let's focus on that This one. is being released in a few days. And if you're hearing it, then it means Great. I was successful. Yeah. So We've I'm going to go that. home and watch some how-to videos, <laughs> Audacity for Dummies. Um, <laughs> and we'll see how we go. Amazing. Okay. So... The thing we're going to wrap up our episodes with every week is a little shout out to our artist of the week. Um, We have so many creative friends and so many people that are just absolutely smashing their goals. And we would like to shout out to a few of our musician friends each week. So um, this week we've got one of Amy's friends. Um, Amy? We do. So this is an original four piece rock band from the Gold Coast called Wooden Major. And they're incredible. They're very good friends of mine. Um, Lorcan War has given me permission to play one of the band's songs called Shivering. Um, it's my personal favorite. He's not a big fan of it, but... <laughs> it's not about him. I, it's not about him. This is my <laughs> podcast, so I'm going to play what I want. Our podcast. Um, sorry. <laughs> of course. I am here too. <laughs> God, it's already going to my head. Um, so we will attach that song and... Um, Thank you so much for listening to our first episode. We're so grateful. Hopefully you bear with us. We can only get better from here. We're stumbling along, but it's been really fun so far. So we hope that you tune in next week. I'm so sick of dreaming. Waking up with nothing. All of this truth Based on lies And for once Seems to work out fine I'm shivering I'm feeling so cold Wound up and fed up Nothing to hold Seldom strong 
the truth is I'm terrified And my emptiness It's easy to hide I'm shivering Feeling so cold Oh, and I wound up I'm fed up Good nothing Just move